The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, Matt Michaels here. I'm the DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, uh, how was, uh, I guess week one of a uh semi rest week can we call it yeah it's never a rest week but yeah, i guess you know got the got the got the call from impact still trying to put together the the final few slots for the rumble got a couple different people uh you know some that we don't use very often uh just trying to make things fit Looks like we might have a, a space open for a match that generally uh, we, we, we let the rumble play out and that becomes a match later in the show. So just got some ideas on some things. Um, let's let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, some of the names. Uh, you know, you, you announced uh, a couple people this week, right? Yeah, you know, I, I was smart. I actually brought my pad that actually has names that are going to be in the Rumble. That I, you know, again, get old. You can't remember the 21 names you released or whatever. So, you know, as as we said, we got Limelight at 1, Damian Drake at 2, and Hero Lou at 30. So those are the, you know, the set guys. And I made the mark off of who else is going to be there. So that's three. We got... Uh, Remy Marcel, we got Bateman, we got Jimmy Jack, we got Koa, Vandegriff, Graves, Clutch, Sharp, Bay, Hammerstone, Shogun, Class, Reno, Cruz, uh, Blair Brody, Dante King, uh, Fox, and RBJ, we all announced uh, we added uh, Jordan Oasis and Ricky Tenacious to that mix. So, you know, and now we're whittling it down. You know, I got about 25, 26 names. Sure. And there's still spots. Let me see. Four, five. Yeah, we got about 23, 24 names. And with, I don't know if I said Kenny King, but Kenny King's in the Rumble. Uh, probably Fresco and Watson, maybe in the Rumble. And now we probably have a couple, couple surprises. So we probably only got about four or five spots, but we have sky high we got demir we got davion we got trademark we got aj avon we got jay vidal we got chase bell we got brandon g 
and maybe one or two other surprises. So all those guys are not going to be in the Rumble. So, you know. Do, do you have a pre-show uh, battle royal to see who gets into Yeah, the- yeah. What, I'm, what we're probably going to do is going to have a pre-show tag team match. Sure. So that will eliminate at least four guys that would have been in the Rumble. Yes. So, you know, I'm putting it out there right now that Sky High is probably going to have a pre-show tag match. Sure. And if it's a multi-man tag match, I'm trying to lean against it. So there's a good chance Davion and Demir, the young guy, the the young guns, I guess you could say, maybe they get sky high. You know, Jimmy Jack's already uh, in the Rumble, so I'm not going to sure if he's going to do double duty. But if he's in the Rumble and there's not a tag match, I got to put Chase Bell in the Rumble. Right. I'm not going to leave Chase off the show if Jimmy Jack's in the Rumble. So maybe we pull back and the Poe boys wrestle in a pre-show match. But I think the crowd would be disappointed for the chicken dance during the rumble to not come out for. So, you know, and I've also bandied the idea about one group coming out all at once. So that could eliminate, you know, that can, that can make an extra one or two guys depending yeah you know if the billionaire boys club or the faction come out that group of three well now we'll have a 32-man rumble well and if you do if you do both of those uh factions then you can have a 34-man rumble right yeah and and we got to get the timing right i went back this week and looked at against all odds and the the match lasted an hour and the thing was Somehow, Spider's calculations of one minute didn't work out right because it should be two guys come out, and I'm not talking about introductions and then the first two guys come out and it takes four minutes. I'm talking about when from the bell rang. Right. So two guys are already in the ring. So once the bell rings, everybody should be in by the 28-minute mark. Right. Okay. Well, at the 40-minute mark, not everybody was in. (laughs) You know, it isn't a minute from when somebody takes a minute to get into the ring. Right. You you know what I mean? So he was running running the initial two-minute Royal Rumble clock that they used to do back in the day. Yeah, when they only had two matches on the show. You know, we're having – so it's like the minute they're introduced, you restart the clock. Not right. that they're introduced because they take 12 seconds to walk out, so he still hasn't started it yet, and then maybe he wa- – I don't know what the reason is. I, I I didn't study that part yet, but that's what I'll be doing this next couple days, seeing how the progression of – the intros work. It's a long enough match. We don't need to make it longer. Right. Right. Um, with, you know, with that, uh, how does that play into, uh, you know, you just mentioned like the chicken dance, uh, Ricky Tenacious, uh, you know, who's going to be coming down with his song. Um, does that type of thing, 
when you when you do a match like this, do the guys who have those types of uh, intros, you know, naturally, um, is that something then that should be basically eating up that clock time to the to the next person? So almost you're almost filling that time with that particular type of entertainment. And as soon as they get into the ring, the next person should essentially be coming in. Is that kind of how those types of... Yeah, you know, I, I get people want their entrances, but not on this show. Yeah. You know, we can't have Funny Bone doing a six-minute entrance. Right. Humble. You know, he's still walking around the ring, and five guys have gotten in the ring. That kind of defeats the purpose of being the number that you're at. <laughs> You know, and I get it. You know, people want to use strategy or whatever, and certain people, you know, stay away. Right. I remember years ago, and I don't know if that was the the one that uh, Eli Drake, L.A. Knight won, but I remember him being out of the ring for a good portion of the match. Sure. And yeah. let everybody else eliminate each other. So. Well but you know, you, if you have nine people doing it, it's kind of like, well, what was right. the, the match? Right, right. And is that something that? Um, so, let's say, I mean, obviously, a, a guy like Ricker, you know, it's psychology into the character, and that's something that's planned out. Uh, but has anyone ever pulled that where instead of you know something that? it would be their character doing or, you know, uh, something that wasn't planned where, you know, the, they, they took advantage of maybe those rules to kind of, you know, take, take a little time outside the ring, just powder out and, you know, interact with the crowd or something like that, uh, as opposed to, you know, you maybe not knowing about something like that happening. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it's basically a glorified battle royal, but it comes in an interval. So, yeah, I don't love the idea. Obviously, when he did it, I, okay, I'm looking at it as strategy. But right. until it becomes an issue when six people are doing it, right. I'm not too concerned about it. But the bottom line is, you know, you waste a few minutes, it's okay if you literally come in at number one and never get in the ring till all 30 guys are in there, yeah, I'm, I, I would probably have a problem with that. Right. So, you know, we haven't had those issues. But there's Did definitely going to be some people who, who probably have not worked a Rumble-style match. So it's important before the show to set some ground rules because it's, it's, it's wrestling – so guys are, are way more willing to be like, oh, I didn't know. I don't know. It won't happen again. I won't smash into the guardrail and fucking hit five people and hopefully nobody broke their ankles for a meaningless spot after the 14th time you've done it. You know, I remember a time it was Douglas James and Spider. And Doug was relatively new, but Spider didn't, wasn't new. And he's the one who's putting the spot together. Like, what are you fucking doing, bro? Like, 
Nothing is stationary. Shit moves. People get hit in the fucking chest. And if you're a nine-year-old kid, you get hit in the face because you're not that tall. And, you know, we're here to have fun and enjoy everything. You know, you unfortunately when you're running a show at the arena and, and it happens at the, uh, at the casino, like how many times can you tell the same people not to do certain things? So it's just ignorance or just not giving a fuck. Right. Um, have you ever had, uh, this, the, uh, I know the WWE's done it once or twice in the years they've done the Rumble, where you had someone who is, you know, your your typical chicken shit heel, uh, powder out and sell, you know, sell the idea that they've quote unquote been eliminated, but technically weren't. Maybe they went through the second, you know, the second rope. And then, like, hid under the ring or, you know. Stop giving people ideas. <laughs> well, I guess the, the question then becomes, in, in all these, in those types of instances, how, is it, how important is it then for uh, Jake to be selling what's going on in terms of, the television aspect of everything because when you're trying to tell the story and trying to convey when you have so much going on um it becomes a little more difficult when you know all of a sudden someone is out of the ring and then comes back in or or someone gets eliminated and maybe you miss the elimination like how does he have to take that on as a commentator uh you know that's a good question because there's a lot of reasons for why I personally tried not to step away from commentary because I'm the guy who knows exactly what's supposed to happen. I know what story is going forward. So a lot of times there's so much going on that day, whether it's somebody like NJ or even Delo, like, they're, they're going to call the action. And, right. you know, Delo's great, no doubt about it. Delo's better than me. But I'm going to be more aware of what's going to happen because it's generally my story. So right. when I see something and maybe it's not going right, I try to lead it in a certain way that somebody else wouldn't because you wouldn't see it. But I know what the progression is going to lead to so I can steer it a little better. Sure. And, you know, in some cases you can, and in some cases, you know, it doesn't change anything, but that's what made me very possessive of the spot and not, you know, the reason I liked working with Jake is Jake is, the guy who can call all the moves, but he is easily the guy who could be the play-by-play guy and not the color guy. Right. And Jake knows a little more of the story. So I would let him handle stuff, but it would almost be co-play-by-play guys, and he would add more of the color. 
That's how I would describe our relationship as a commentary team. You you definitely were the more off color. Yes. You know, so when Jake isn't there and I would have to do it with Ricky Tenacious, it would be totally different. Cause you know, Ricky Ricky was the spiel and the screaming, and you know, he had his own color style but I really had to fill in the blanks more so than with Jake. Right. I'll Jake handled both parts and the same thing with NJ and Jake, you know, yeah. Jake settles everything down, you know, even with D and he's the guy who's now going to, Hey, what's coming up next? Hey, check out the website. Hey, we're going to promote, the wrestling school. And now we got stuff with the earphones and, and spider will make recommendations in my headset. Like, I, like I was at the last show and some of it have I ignored because it was like, dude, you just ran a 45 second commercial about the school. I'm now not going to talk about the school for another 45 seconds. You just saw the commercial, you know, let, let, let's talk about what's happening tonight. You know, obviously, I'm the be-all, end-all. So he may he may recommend something that I didn't think of. And it's like, oh, okay. Or, hey, push this. Oh, okay. But I already know that I'm going to promote, hey, don't forget, we'll be back in two weeks. Hey, we got luck of the draw November 19th. Like, I don't need anybody to tell me that. Well, the other guys do. It's the same thing with the ring announcers. I have to write little notes if I'm on commentary. And then right. pass it, like, hey, mention the next show. Hey, this match has been set for the next show. So I don't like being just hanging out in the back or roaming in the office because I feel I'm not doing anything. And I'm the one who knows everything that's going on and I'm not adding anything to the live event that's happening. Then I get it. Everything was set up to happen, but when things aren't working or, you know, things need to be pushed, I'm not in a position, you know, maybe I do need the headset be like Vince and get in uh, Jake's ear and say, Hey, we're leading toward this at that next match. You know, maybe put in their history of why, you know, Shogun and Hero are feuding or, or whatever. Generally, I don't. That's a, I think Jake's awesome. Right. And I remember early on, people were like, oh, what about this? Yeah, I, I love D'Lo, but Jake's going to be there all the time and he's putting in the work. And D'Lo doesn't do it for free, you know, and... He's got a busy schedule. There were times like, oh, yeah, I'm good for that date, and I can't make it. So, you know, and NJ, every time, you know, he, he goes out with the Culture Inc. So he didn't make this last show. He, he, he wasn't making the, He didn't make the show before. Right. So, you know, it's hard if I have to, like, wait till the day of or he'll show up 10 minutes before. It's like, dude, you need to fucking tell me what's going on because – when I've expected you to show up 10 minutes before, you just never showed up. Right. And then we're scrambling. I remember the Silverton show. Like, dude thought it was a 7 o'clock show. It's like we had 17,000 flyers that showed the time, bro. Like, 5 o'clock. You're showing up at 640. 
Oh, he was, he was still on the uh, the East Coast time. East Coast time, I guess. Well, that would be uh, Hawaii time because <laughs> on the East Coast, 5 o'clock is 8 o'clock, so he shouldn't be late. Right. You know? Uh, he, well, he was he was thinking of the, you know, the, the 7 o'clock start times out there where, when they start. Um, so instead of the 5 o'clock here, he showed up at 7, you know? Yeah, maybe. Maybe he wasn't paying attention. He was watching it on Fight Plus, and he was calling the match thinking he was there. And maybe he thought he didn't have to leave the house and it would still be on the uh, TV. I don't know. Because he kept his voice, so. Uh, you, you start Vin Scullying it where he's calling uh, calling matches from his house. You know, hey, I, I wanted to, when I was DJing at the strip clubs, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to, bear, I wanted to stay at home and then, like, at the bank, you have the money shoot and everybody would they would, it would be connected to my house and all my tips would just be shot right to me that's been a great adventure so did you just say that you wanted to take the money shot uh if that's what you're trying to say there <laughs> um so <laughs> when you when you look at um when you look at that overall, then um, on something uh, like Flight, Fight Plus, um, how is it that you then go, okay, someone like Jake, um, someone like having a D-Lo, um, this differentiates our product again a little bit more than other things you see on Fight Plus. How, how are you able to uh, start using that towards your advantage to you? you know, start getting maybe some more eyes that um, when they actually watch it for a few minutes, go, oh, you know what? I want to start watching this because these guys uh, are entertaining. They know what they talk about. It's it's D'Lo Brown. You know, this is really cool. Um, is that something that, you know, is something you think about in terms of how to get more people, uh, you know, hooked on the product, I guess. In all honesty, that's kind of the million dollar question because being on fight plus is great, but you have to now compete with 50 different companies and sometimes four or five, six shows at exactly the same time. Okay, and of course, yeah, you know, hey, GCW is on at four, FSW is on at five. Well, they might watch the GCW show and then go to FSW afterwards. But we have to give them a reason to do it, just like with the fan base. Uh, It's funny, yesterday, a couple days ago, I was on Twitter and uh, Gabe Sapolsky hit me up. He's like, hey, let's touch base, you know, let me know when you're free. So we talked a little yesterday and, you know, he was asking some things. He was talking about maybe coming out again in January to circle back since it's been close to a year. And we were just talking about the scene and he was basically saying, you know, things with the fight plus and that there's some pockets, GCW, a couple others that the attendance is still really good, but, it seems to now be a little bit of a struggle, as I was discussing over the last few weeks, of getting people to come to these events. Right. And, 
and you know, 10%, 15%, it's less. Our last casino show did not do nearly as well. And we couldn't make up the, hey, SmackDown was on Friday. We ran a show Sunday. And WrestleMania was in California five days after our show that whole weekend. You know, hey, people were saving their money and blah, 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 blah. But, and then you look at it as, well, why do we run AEW weekend? And it's like, well, there's a lot of wrestling fans in town. But we're, we're, we're okay with the fact that we're assuming they have a good amount of money to spend. Right. Maybe that's true because you're getting a lot more people from throughout the United States than people who are coming to Vegas just for SmackDown because they're all going to L.A. You know, maybe L.A. gets a bump the week before. But whatever it is, you know, he said he's seen a lot of these places that they're down the same way, 10, 20, 30 percent, you know, and we're in Vegas. And, you know, the, the discussion of, hey, it's cool that our guys are working in a lot of places, but when there's five shows in town and they're on all on all five instead of maybe two, and, and that, I don't care who wants to argue whatever point, but a Danny Limelight and a Shogun and Ice Williams and Hammerstone and generally Chris Bay and Graves and Billionaire Boys Club and Royce and Jarrell, you're only going to see them at FSW. Right. And if you like somebody, there's a lot of guys that are really good that we use that I like a lot. But you can go see Damian Drake at a few different shows. You know, obviously I'm not going to have heat with somebody working Ricky Tenacious's show. I use Ricky. But when he's got a taco fest and now he's using a bunch of our guys and now some people are trying to tell me that, hey, I'm doing that or I got to do ring crew for his ring at the Grap House show afterwards and you're not making my show, I'm going to be fucking livid about that. Like, I don't give a fuck if you're doing the other shows. But don't tell me there's three shows that night and they're all at different times and somehow you're not making the one where we train you, motherfucker. Right. Like, it has nothing to do with anything other than, hey, well, I might make 20 bucks to go do something over there. You know, you've had probably less than 20 matches in your career that nobody gave you a match until FSW gave you the match. And, And, hey, you go on the podcast, you tell everybody, people are training. Hey, how about that John Trademark? He sold 25 tickets. Hey, how about that Fox? He sold 20 tickets. Hey, RBJ, he sold 30 tickets. You don't think that anybody knows somebody? Hey, Gregory Sharp, he he does live work with Pride Style. Oh, yeah, if you need a guy, hey, this guy sold 20 tickets. Why wouldn't he try to get that guy? But now all of a sudden, a guy who's had two or three matches, as we've seen, those guys are now on a bunch of shows. Right. And they also did a good job when they did it. But we know what a hustle and, and, and how difficult it is to move tickets. So who are you going to pick? Guys that are kind of equal. But, man, I heard this guy sold like an average of 15, 20 tickets for the last three or four shows. Maybe he sells a seven. 
right. right you know what i mean it's like you know that was a show at the nerd bar a couple of days after ours and more of our guys not as many but there were still guys that were on it so if you're a fan of somebody in particular and money's tight and you're only going to go spend for two shows well maybe that 40 dollars front row at luck of the draw as stacked as it is makes it a more difficult choice but it's an easier choice hey well you know 20 bucks for a ticket and high octane there's a handful of guys while luck of the draws is stacked with people you're not going to see anywhere well that becomes a more valuable show so hopefully the turnout you know i have already seen not that it's a ton yet but we have the new ticketing this guy adam who used to run cactus league you know he came through vegas when he was like 16 and i guess i was one of the few people that was actually nice to him when he came in he came from norcal and then uh he moved to arizona and he did a bunch of shows and used good people uh you know that's how omar from the from the knights knew remy and a bunch of people because he used to live in arizona and he knew adam through that and used to go to the shows so we were having the problems with eventbrite where now they're trying to charge us on top of charging for the fees like are you serious i got to pay you 79 dollars just the fees on and you get your fees that you normally got but now you're making and if i sell 250 tickets i got to pay you like 129 dollars like in what world is that when there's a whole bunch of other ticketing sites so you know adam started his own because after the cactus cactus league he's doing a bunch of festivals and concerts and big shows so he's moving around a lot. He's all over. He's based in Nashville. So on the smaller school shows, you know, we have our average fans, the the, the ones that are always going to come to the shows, and they'll buy the ticket at the door. So generally, we're not selling that many tickets in advance to where people are buying them on the ticket site. Right. And over the last, we, we did, this is the third show we're doing. And at luck of the draw, we already have more front row sold with the show in uh, 11 days than either one of those shows did. So we already know it's going to be. And, and I've had people, you know, a party of nine, party of seven, that they don't come to the school shows. So, you know, they already bought and zelled me the money. It was like, hey, you want to save the fees? That way you can hopefully get some of that income in earlier because if you go to Adam, like Eventbrite would send it every week. That's what I liked about it. Eventbrite, I got immediately when there was a sale, I knew what the name of the person was and I had their email address. Well, with Adam, I basically get it the day before. Like I'll get numbers, but that's me updating. Hey, I need my payment. Oh, I sent it on Monday on a Sunday show. Well, it was Monday the next week. He's busy doing stuff. That's not his major thing. So I like to be hands-on. I like to know who bought tickets. I like to know what regulars have already bought them. So I can hit up some other regulars on Facebook and be like, hey, haven't, did, you, did you need the tickets yet? Because, you know, we're halfway through the front row already. And right. that's counting 
the the Brandys and the Heathers and 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 the Chief and that crew who generally are going to get tickets and they're going to go through me anyway. But right. I need to know because you add it all together and then you know what you have left for the average fan. You know, we had them on PayPal, but that was a fucking disaster. You know, people charging back four months after the show. Like, I don't even know if you were there or not. Wow. And the bank immediately just charges them back the money. Like one was for Joey's show on the thing. And it was like, oh, I wasn't able to make it. The fuck do we know? Three, four months later. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're not Ticketmaster. We're not we're not Allegiant where we scan all this shit. Yeah. And and PayPal uh, like Amazon, they tend to uh, they tend to want to keep the business going, so therefore they side with the customer and not the seller. You know, yeah, they they don't even hear the case. Like they don't even know. It's like, oh, the person wasn't happy with uh, what they what they bought. They bought tickets to a show. What the fuck are you talking about? They went to the show. They figured, hey, I, I can get my money back because they know they can. Yep. Yeah, because the other thing, too, is the accessibility, right? You guys are accessible. So if, uh, say, I'm, you know, I purchase a ticket and then I get COVID, right? Well, what part of no refunds is no refunds, uh, PayPal? Right. See, that's the whole thing. So you would you would assume that... If, if I knew that you were accessible, I could then email you and say, hey, Joe, I'm sorry. I, you know, I can't come because I'm sick, blah, blah, blah. And then you're in the, you're in the right to make that decision about the refund, right? Because of the no refund policy. 90, 99% of the time, if somebody who I see on that list comes to shows, I will credit them. For the next time they come. Got this guy, Harold. He's out of Colorado. And I met him because he happened to be sitting in the front row next to the commentary table. He came with his father. And they came from Colorado. For whatever reason, I think they decided to make a trip because it was a, it was one of the first meccas. Mm. And they decided to come out. They may have came out for Ring of Honor, too. I don't remember. But we got into it. We chatted, blah, blah, blah. And they would come every, you know, every year they'd come to a show. And then they bought tickets. And I hadn't seen them in a while. You know, once in a while, hey, how you doing on Facebook? Hey, I heard you, blah, blah, blah. And then it was like they bought tickets and he hit me up. And I'm like, yeah, I could give you credit. And then he tried to come and then something happened. And then he tried to come again. And I, I it's funny because... Like a week ago, I was thinking, oh, yeah, he said he was coming to this certain show, and I don't remember him being there. But, again, I do leave the area at times, and other people run the door. And I just thought in my head, like, yeah, he, he hit me up about can he use the comp tickets. And I said, oh, yeah, the off price, I think you're going to owe me $10. Okay. I guess he didn't show because then I got a message like yesterday, and he's like, now I got COVID. So it was like, I assume that meant he was looking to come out for the 19th. Right. Which, again, COVID these days, if you, if you end up being fine, you're usually good in four days. 
So it shouldn't be that big a deal. But here's a guy who, for the last two years, I've had credit for him. And I tried to do that to anybody who comes to our shows. Like, don't tell me, like, you know, I got one. And this is through Eventbrite. Like, you get to answer the thing because they – they're not refunding their fees in any way. They let you know that. And right. right, no refund policy. But they don't be like, hey, sorry, uh, they wanted their money back and woke up late and decided they didn't feel like going. Too bad. Go to a fucking concert. Like, we sold out a front row of FSW, GCW. Five people now want their money back after the show on money that I could have sold but it was sold out and now you want to take that money too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And especially like you were saying, you know, talking with Gabe and realizing the, you know, uh, that it's, it's nationwide that, um, you know, there's a, a dip of 15, 20%. Um, it, it becomes more uh, crucial for, uh, the promoters to, you know, have that opportunity to have those uh, seats open. It, it just, you know, it's, you need to, to make that money if you can. Um, right. Espe especially on shows that are going to move those tickets like right. that. FSW arena, we can't do 90 front row, like it's silver nugget. We can only do like 65 and the budget for an FSW arena show is far less, except when you're doing FSW GCW, you know, right. I have to pay Janela and I got to pay their, their crew and an Effie and all these other people, you know, they're not coming in for the bargain basement rate because it's a regular show. That's why we don't have the guardrails. That's why we have two rows on the sides, you know, that the budget for that show is the same budget as the silver nugget. And in most cases, yet we can't fill half as many people. Right. You know, if we got 260 in that FSW arena, you are sardine. It right. is packed. Right. As we saw the last show, we probably had 250, 270 at the Silver Nugget, and it was like, what the fuck? This is empty. Right. Yeah. You know, if we did that show, if we did Survival of the Fittest because it was – of the issues of the Nugget Casino actually being closed, and that was an option because they didn't know if they were going to be open, we would have been more than okay packing the FSW arena. And then after the show, people would have been like, wow, that motherfucker was packed. Right. With the same exact amount of people. But since we did it at the Nugget, it was like, wow, what the fuck? Why, why wasn't there so many people there? Yeah. And again, like the same issue, the Silver Nugget Casino was still closed. So it's trying to word things like, hey, right next to the Nugget, the, next to the casino. You know, I heard they took the marquee down, you know. Hmm. Great. You can't have a sign that says the Hefe Bet Event Center is still open. That way, anybody who's doing something there, if you say it's there, hey, okay, you know, I, I get it. You're not going to give me that marquee for free to say FSW Wrestling, but you're running concerts. You're still running Ken Sierra's. Obviously, Ken Sierra, nobody needs a fucking map 
and to be told the place is open. But if you're doing a concert and you say the Hefe Bet Event Center at the Silver Nugget Casino and you look up Silver Nugget Casino and it tells you you're closed, you're like, what the fuck? If I have tickets, you're assuming it's already closed. And a lot of people go the day of to buy tickets. Right. So, you know, make it work. You're giving the room for the same price. It's like, hey, how about a few hundred off? Something. Right. Because yeah. I am losing business because of the deal. Right. Which is, you know, a whole nother can of worms being that uh, you're losing business, but they're still going to expect what they expect for their business from you. <laughs> You know, it's it's just a yeah. Weird. It's the nature of the beast. Beast, yeah, man. Um. So you know, uh, with with the show coming up on the nineteenth, um, do you have any uh, concerns, or or did you consider this at all? Uh, the fact that Formula One is running that weekend. Yeah, but they're running Saturday night. So Sunday is totally different. There's there's nothing, nothing going on Sunday. So I don't see that as an, an issue in any way. So then that begs the question, is there any consideration for guys getting out towards that area you know uh as the strip is getting fuller on wednesday and thursday and trying to get out the word that there is a show going on on sunday well our our core fan base is our core fan base and we rely on social media probably too much sure but that's where it is these days People are not doing commercials on a platform because, oh, by the way, if you do Monday Night Raw on USA and you air it on Cox Cable, well, how many people watch it on DirecTV? How many people watch it the next day on Hulu? How many people just don't watch it live? Right. So if you have a commercial for SmackDown on Friday, they may not even see it by Sunday. So what are you accomplishing? And just like with the newspapers, instead of the rates going down because there's less of a reach, they raise the prices. Right. Because instead of 20,000 people watching Monday Night Raw on Cox Cable, because of everything now, only 10,000 people are watching. Right. People watch clips later. You know, WWE puts, hey, the Rock segment had 20 million people who looked at it on social media platforms. Well, because they couldn't brag about, hey, SmackDown or Raw did uh, 1.5 million viewers when 10 years ago if they did 4 million viewers it was considered a low rated show right 
So they're in the process of, hey, we're getting this amount of money because of. Right. Like NXT just got announced. They're going to the CW. Wow, what the fuck? The CW? I thought they just went with NWA. And then you hear NWA ain't happy because on a pay-per-view, they did a spot with James Mitchell doing cocaine. But I'm pretty sure on every repeat of some CW drama, some is in their house doing cocaine. Yeah. But yeah. on our pay-per-view where people bought it, it wasn't on regular TV for everybody to see. They have issues. And I wasn't even aware. It turned out it was Ricardo Rodriguez. He made a post. I didn't. I saw Jesus Rodriguez on the Facebook, and he, you know, said something. That was when I first. That was the first time I saw. It. Like, I had to like double check because I thought somebody was ribbing, you know, Facebook. Like, NXT's going to the CW. What the fuck is that? Like, they just supposedly yep. got. And it wasn't because I didn't think they'd go to the NXT to CW because I really didn't. But my thought process was, well, they just signed NWA. WWE, I just read from Dana White how they put the kibosh on UFC going to USA. So I'm like, well, UFC, top company at the time. More people are going to watch that channel. But WWE was possessive of their exclusivity deal. Right. So it shocked me that they would have allowed any other company, like even the NWA, who doesn't have nearly a reach, like be on the same channel as them. That that unless they were immediately affiliated, like what they did on Peacock, and they they had some of the English companies, and they would air some of their stuff. So it was pretty surprising to me. Well, you know what's interesting. Like, it's very interesting too that when the CW news about the NWA came out, Corrigan did an interview within two days. And one of the things that was talked about was the fact that he's never had a, um, an adversarial relationship with the WWE and thinks that, you know, there shouldn't be any, you know, because he's we're not trying to compete with them, right? So it's it's very interesting that, in theory, was the WWE in negotiations? Were they close? What what was their status? And when the NWA signed, two questions: one, did the WWE then kind of kick up the pressure to? you know, kind of do what uh, they did with uh, MWL and, you know, force them off a network. Or two, when the cocaine thing happened, did CW go, okay, you know what? Let's, let's get that wrestling program we want and, you know, put more into trying to get NXT signed. I think it's just fascinating how everything... Well, if, if I was the NWA, I'd be like, hey, look, look at some WWE programming. Look at the Katie Vick angle. You know? There's enough bad shit that WWE did. You know? Here's a company that, you know, look at Vince McMahon. 
hey, look, look, look what the the owners, the the co-owner or the new owner of WWE said about Vince McMahon. That's a guy you want to do business with. Like again, casting stones. Right. Like Vince's reputation is in the gutter right now. Right. And everybody's trying to salvage the WWE thing by saying, well, it's Triple H. Triple H is in charge of everything because they're distancing themselves with Vince. Right. And Vince made the deal. And you know what? Having him off the board doesn't mean anything. He still can be a major part of it. I, I think it's all for show because he's still a 49% owner anyway. So he's going to have say. And they could rewrite shit. You know, this is big time maneuvering to where, hey, Vince, this is what's best for business. You want to keep making money, right? Right. Yep. And you would think smarter heads would prevail in that situation. Now, again, if it's me and they're trying to force me out of FSW because of some situation or whatever, well, I'm not going to be happy with it either. Right. And I'm not going to just accept that. I run the company. Now, if somebody wants to buy me out, they can buy me out. But I'm not staying on to be like a lackey. You know, if you want to buy me out and make me Dana White and still run everything, sure. Awesome. That means I'm getting upfront money. Like, who's better than Dana White? He got all his stocks. He's got to be close to a billionaire from the yeah. money he did. Plus, what he, and, and now he's still the matchmaker and he runs the UFC. Yeah. Millions of dollars, and he's still in the exact same position, except, hey, let me look at my bank account from the day before the sale to the day after the sale. Yeah. And in response to be like, holy fucking shit. Yeah. And I'm still running the motherfucker for 30, 40 million a year. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's better than Dana White, except Vince McMahon, because now he gets like three billion. Except now he can't run the company the way he wants to. Yeah, and you know, and then uh, that that recently uh, taken picture of Vince with the cane, you know, it's it's interesting that well, he had surgery, but yeah, he does not. Yeah, you're starting to see. You know, I, I think that one of the things that we forget about is that. Um, when you start getting closer to being 80 years old, the question is, do you still need to present yourself as this, you know, this um, uh, person who who can't be broken when the truth of the matter is, is we all get older, we all eventually die. Um, so, you know, you know, th that's the whole thing is, is that image you know, by him stepping away, um, being kind of forced away, does he still need to protect himself and in, in that image of being the tough guy and, you know, this billionaire and all that crap? When the truth of the matter is, is hopefully at this point, he's just 
enjoying his life, right? I mean, I would assume enjoy the last few well, years. Enjoying his life. That's all he's ever known was running wrestling. And that that's that's his passion. You know, everybody's got a passion. Nobody wants to give it up. You know, I'm 58 and, uh, you know, every, every day, man, my back, my knee. But, but I still want to believe, you know, I go out, I start hitting golf balls again. I'm like, wow, I'm still hitting the ball pretty fucking good. And, and yeah. when I hit it good, you know, but I guarantee you I'm losing 20, 30 yards on my best shots. I know for a fact. Like, man, I crushed that ball. And I was like, wow, that's where my ball is? I still got that far? You want to believe that you can do stuff. And then you try walking up the stairs and it's like, fuck, I need to move into a one family, one story fucking house. And, you know, you want to believe you're never going to get old. Like when you're when I'm, as I said, I'm 58. My dad passed when he was 62 and I was 32 at the time. So it's like. You don't think of 62 the way you do now. Like, right. I'm 58. My mindset's exactly the same. Like, you always thought when you were younger, as you got older, you know, everything changes. Uh, you know, the old fuddy-duddy, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to like cool music. Well, I, I still dig Metallica. You know, it's like, you know, I go to concerts and you see all people around my age seeing these bands and they're still as popular when you go see Billy Idol and you're seeing these guys in their 60s and Kiss and they're in their 70s and supposedly the Rolling Stones' new album's awesome and they're fucking almost 80 years old. You know right. what I mean? And it's like you think because you hit a certain age, you, you stop doing everything. You don't. And, and the thing is, the only thing that stops you is death. So, or, you know, stroke or the things that you can't come back from. Right. And, you know, Vince has had some, you know, issues, surgeries, things like that. But I guarantee you he's putting in the physical therapy work because he wants to feel he can do that. No different than, yeah, it was not fun watching that Ric Flair match. Okay. And people are like, Oh, I can't believe it. Ric Flair is a valuable commodity in AEW. If he's not wrestling matches, like how would you not want that guy in there who knows everything about the business? And it's funny because he's in a little better shape and he's old, but there's a guy named Mike Jackson. Who's like 70 something years old who wrestles on GCW shows all the time. Right. I, you know, I saw his match with Trey Miguel. I literally was trying to book the biggest age difference in the history of pro wrestling and have Bodie work, work Mike Jackson wasn't coming out because Brett GCW only kind of uses them on uh, yeah, in the uh, area that he's from. Because I believe he's like from somewhere, Kentucky, Louisville, Nashville, in that area. Right. It's a Memorial Day weekend. I really can't spend five, six hundred dollars on a flight for a match that's cool to the people who know the business, but not the people who are buying the tickets to see the business. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it would be a cool moment to have. Right. 
you know, kind of like we were trying to do the Bodie Nick Wayne thing. Like right. it was a big deal for everybody in Vegas for it to happen. But at a GCW show in LA, it wouldn't have been that big a deal because they didn't know who Bodie is. Right. So, you know, the bottom line of things are is there's guys that are over the hill at 50 because they make themselves that way. And there's times you see and it's like, oh, shit, that guy's in concert. I can't believe he's that old. Phil Collins can't even walk. And he was performing and they would say he would sit in the fucking chair the whole time. Because, A, the money's real good. You know, one last Genesis tour. Or, hey, it could be Motley Crue. We don't even have to play the fucking instruments. Right. Oh, we're getting half a million a show. Nope, we can't do it because we, we can't play well live and Vince can't sing live. No, they take the fucking money and they take the criticism. Oh, no, no. And their fight with Mars and all this other shit, but they're all laughing to the bank. Yep. So you, you can't put maybe in sports and then they defy the odds. You know, George Foreman wins a, a boxing title in, at 50. And Tom Brady's still one of the top five quarterbacks at 46. Right. Are and few in between. You know, I've seen guys as quarterbacks or baseball players that were over the hill by 30. Yeah. Sure. You know, no, no one can stop somebody from, from doing what they want to do. That, that's the one thing. Now, whether it's good or not, it's a different story. But I was not one like, oh, my God. You know, I saw Ric Flair. Yeah, I'd be happy if I did die in the ring. That's my life. Yeah. You know, it's no. why is it any different than the mountain climber who shouldn't go up the mountain because the fucking snow's falling too much and it's too windy, but he wants to conquer Mount Everest and he dies doing it? He don't give a fuck. I, I, I guess the, the question would be, um, for instance, if Flair was to wrestle Sting for Sting's last match, the question becomes, is it really necessary or does that tarnish the memory? It, it, it's a very weird thing because I, I don't think we've ever really been in that situation. Yeah, you know? we did. When, when Ric Flair wrestled in the tag match, oh, his legacy. Guess what? It's a year later. Flair's legacy hasn't been touched. Muhammad Ali's legacy was not touched. Larry Holmes beat the fuck out of him. And Muhammad Ali was probably only like 42. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But he yeah. was done as a boxer. And it was a shame to see the, one of the greatest of all times as a shell of themselves. You look at baseball. You look at basketball. You look at football. Everybody who's got the passion to keep playing, usually retires a year or two too late than a year or two too early. And guess what? When Barry Sanders retired too early, oh, I can't believe it. But then when Emmett Smith was like, oh, I can't believe he left Dallas to play with Arizona. And it was like, as shitty as people say Emmett Smith was, I'm pretty certain he rushed, he rushed for 1,000 yards in his last year. But he was on a shitty Arizona team that nobody else wanted. And nobody wanted Emmett Smith anymore, but they felt they could sell some tickets because they probably won four games that year and they were a shitty team. 
and they brought him in for box office. Michael Jordan with the Washington Wizards. He was still better than 75% of the league, but he wasn't better than Michael Jordan. So Michael Jordan was a bum. And guess what? Now the only thing anybody thinks of Michael Jordan is that his son's banging Scottie Pippen's ex-wife. So, so the moral of this whole story is, man, wouldn't you want to be Michael Jordan's son right now? How do you look into that? Didn't play pro ball, didn't do nothing. <laughs> oh, man. Um, as we kind of get ready to wrap up here, uh, curious, um, Delos uh, started his uh, Wednesday nights. Uh, how's that going? Well, it's not every week, so it's every couple weeks. Uh, you know, the first week we had a really good turnout, and we're looking forward to more. It's 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 not really like, hey, it's in ring. Let's work on that headlock. It's right. more like the discussion of the business. You know, what you need to do to exceed and 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 jump ahead of people and etiquette and what people are looking for as a, as a major executive and impact and a guy who's wrestled over 30 years, like, Hey, you know, this is where your mindset needs to be. Right. It's easy for me to preach stuff. Where did Joe DeFalco ever wrestle? What company did he ever work for? Oh shit. D'Lo Brown says it. Oh shit. Sin Bodhi says it. Oh shit. Kenny King, TJP. Every motherfucker who's walked through the door. Well, if they're saying the same thing, if you have half a brain, you understand. You know, just like I said, there's plenty of people who work shows all over the U.S. every weekend. And they're around the school two, three, four days a week. It's pretty sad that a guy like Chris Bay is there more than 50, 60 percent of the trainees. Like, dude, he's already made it, and he's still there more than you. Yeah. How do you think you're going to make it if you're not putting in the effort? Yeah. That's that's a fair point. And it's, you know, I, again, it's when you have these opportunities to uh, to learn, to, to listen, and especially um, one of the, the more important things is there – there's not a lot of people who focus on those types of issues, those types of advice. Um, so it's, you know, really good if you are smart enough to take that opportunity. Um, you know, the, I, I can't see why you wouldn't do that, but then again, well, I, you know, well, I, I put it out there. So here's where I, I, I look at the big picture. So here we go. Delo's running an advanced class. So all the advanced students, which are main roster guys, who are probably, in most cases, not even paying to train there anymore as a, a trade-off on what their fees would be for wrestling a match. But we wash their, uh, their dues to probably upwards of maybe 50 bucks. So Delo's going to run this class, advanced class, $10. Okay, but if you're a paying student, because I thought we were going to do stuff in the ring. Well, guess what? He's not. 
But you could sit in on the class for no charge and get huge knowledge. And there's probably out of 20, 25 of those people, those students, five people there. Now, this is after a class that Kenny King ran. So, and there wasn't three people at Kenny's class. But I walked in, and I'm like, oh, it's a pretty good turnout. And then all of a sudden, I see this guy. Oh, see you later. See you later. See you later. And there's like five or six people that are just gone. And they leave. Then I posted it out there. You don't have to be an FSW student. You know, you want to come in as a drop-in rate, 20 bucks, which we would normally do to, to, to come in. And 20 is cheap. Maybe. Usually it's at least 25 in most places. Right. So 20 bucks, you could come in. Nobody. You know, there's a lot of people that wrestle in different places and don't wrestle for FSW. And they want to, in some cases, I get hit up by people that I used to use that I don't use anymore. And a lot of times they say, hey, you need to be seen. You know, I I appreciate what you did for us, but you should also appreciate what we did for you. But if you want to be involved, then you got to be around. I'm not telling you, you need to be here three days a week, but you need to be seen. And there is no other training going on now. Like before, you could say, oh, well, you know, you had Ricky's and you had Super Beast and Ricky Mandel was, was the trainer at Versus. That doesn't exist anymore. So FSW is really the only place in town where you can actually learn from somebody who's actually done something in this business. Sorry. You can actually learn from somebody because there's nothing else where to go. Yeah. Yeah. And you come in with D'Lo and for $20, come to a two-hour class and pick up knowledge. Hey, maybe he comes to get a liking for you. Then maybe he invites you to the impact on January 13th and 14th. You know, why don't you come down, help out, be an extra. We can use your security. Hey, maybe something will come up. Yep. That's how you get looked at. You know, I posted on the student page already. Hey, this is where we'll be the 13th and 14th. They'll be using our ring. They'll be using our guardrails. They'll be using our crew. You know, I'm a little disappointed in what we get out of the deal. As in the past, we had far more reach in terms of extra work. But, you know, that's where Chris Bay got his first look. That's where Zoe Stark got her first look. You know, Delo's there, you know. Clutch and Sugar Brown, they, they had a match. Time too late. They got pulled. That's probably the most disappointing thing that's ever happened to them in their lives. Like they were sitting back there waiting and waiting and waiting, and it never happened. So, you know, MK got to be the psychiatrist for Eddie Edwards when they were doing skits. And all our guys and doing security spots and getting beat up by Moose or whoever the fuck, you know. And it doesn't matter where it is. You know, one of Laz's best moments in his life was getting slapped by Suzuki at a honor show because he was working the ring crew. Yeah, Those were opportunities that people got because they took advantage of that situation. Didn't cost them anything extra. It just cost them their time. And a lot of people don't want to put in the time. And that's the biggest reason for failure. 
you got to do things, especially in this business, that you may not love doing. Maybe right. work. Maybe like fuck. Oh, I got to go pick up three guys at the airport. Yep, that's how it starts. You know, I always tell the story. Uh, ben, ben Scheinberg, terrible rep. Okay, but Ben was the ultimate lackey. We had people, a couple guys got picked up some people at the airport. Uh, ben went, he picked up Scott D'Amour and a couple others. Hey, we need to get food. There was Ben. Hey, we need to get this. There was Ben. They got a liking to him. And at the time, Ben was able to, to get to places. And he got to ref on fucking pay-per-views. Right. And, he, and again, was he terrible? No. But was he a world-class ref? Absolutely not. He was fine. But he got to be on that show because, hey, you know what? We're going to reward somebody who's busting their ass to do what we need without the promise of getting anything. anything. Yep. You know, when you don't know what you're going to get and you do it, you're doing it because this is what you want to do. Right. You know, there's things I don't want to do when I'm working with the bigger companies that I feel we're better than, but it's our job. They're bigger than us. And we can get from them is a benefit. Being kind to GCW when they first came out for the ring and that's all we were doing was renting them a ring and the crew. We were there for them when they needed it. Hey, we appreciate it, Joe. Thanks a lot. Blah, blah, blah. Now you're able to have some more conversations. And then those conversations lead to FSW versus GCW. And those conversations lead to me hitting up Brett and say, hey, you know, it'd be cool having Bodie on your show. Right. Or yeah. Sammy Callahan sitting there with me watching at the door. Holy shit, who's this fucking kid? I love this kid. And what does he do? He puts him in the scramble match the next show. And Bodie gets to work the show. Now, yep. if Bodie's going to make it, he's going to make it on his own. But Joe knows that he went out of his way to let people be aware of who this person is. Sure, this guy does all the work. But I'm not the fucking, hey, where's my cut? Where's this? Where's that? It's like my enjoyment is, man, I took care of Solo Sokoa when he came out here. And he eventually got signed, you know, put us over fucking top of the line. Cross. Lacey, when I get messages from Tom all the time, thanking me all the time. You know, yep. that just puts a smile on my face. That's not something it's like, hey, everybody. Yeah, we, we use it as a pitch to sell our school, obviously. Right. But, you know, and it goes to the same thing with guys who have made it and done things that I feel have been unappreciated. And it's like, motherfuckers, if I pulled you before and you didn't have your dues, you may have never wrestled a match in your life. Right. You know, yeah. show some fucking appreciation. Yeah. And in most cases, you know, they do. You know, that's why my best relationships are were guys like Hammerstone and Bay. Because when you're a really good person, 
and you see somebody do really good things for you when they don't have to, that will be remembered in the back of their head for the rest of their lives. So Chris Bay, if I need him for something and he's available, he will be there. Yeah. And Chris knows if he needs anything from me, I will be there. Yeah. And unfortunately, some people don't want to get past ah, Joe yaps a lot. Oh, he complains about the dues a lot. Well, you know, the landlord doesn't care about when you're paying the dues. He only cares when I'm paying the fucking rent. Right. Yeah. yeah. But when somebody's in trouble or needs something and if I can help, I will. I've helped people back in the day get jobs. Yeah. Not only in wrestling, but in real life to make a living while they were trying to pay dues. Yeah. So train at our school. And Rocky's given people numerous jobs and security. You know, guys yeah. like RBJ works for him now and Reese and a few others. Jimmy Jack couldn't hold a job, but he gave him one. <laughs> Well, Parker was always late, from what I heard. Yeah, he's got to. He's got to. You know, he's got to wake up. Well, yeah, chicken from, dance practice. That's why he yeah, was late. He's got to get from the swamp, you yeah. know, into town. So, but yeah, it's like it. It isn't just hey, we're family, because again, it's a pretty dysfunctional family, but it's still a family. You know, I'm always looking out for for most people. But after a while, you learn that some people don't want to be helped. They, you know, they're know-it-alls. They know everything. You've done nothing for them. They've done everything for you. Right. You yeah. know, I had an argument with somebody. I was like, don't act like you're doing me the fucking favor, motherfucker. Because yeah. I asked you to do something when you're three months behind on dues. And I still let you train. And I put you in a match when I needed you for something else. All of a sudden, you're putting up a squawk. I'm like, hey, okay, you know what? You don't have to do it. Just make sure you don't come back till you have all your fucking dues. And yeah. then the story has to change. Oh, you don't talk to me that way. Well, yeah, I guess I do. Right. Yeah. Because if you're an adult, you should understand when somebody does something for you, you don't go out of your way to try to not do something for the person who does things for you. Right. Who's allowing you to still be a part of stuff. Right. Yeah. Is what it is. The younger generation, blah, blah, blah. Well, on that note, everyone, uh, remember uh, again, the 19th of November on Fight Plus. If you're not in town, uh, check it out. Uh, the luck of the draw. Three title matches. Yeah. Yeah. Including that heavyweight. Oh, champion. sorry. Four? Four title matches. Jacob Boston Young. I forgot about the open challenge. The open challenge. Nevada State, no limits, women's, and the heavyweight championship in the main event. Yeah. Be a good so, night. Yeah, it did absolutely. And of course, you know, like we've been talking about the the, the rumble itself. Uh we're the price of admission. Everything else is a bonus. Right. Right. And you and you might see 32 or 34 people in this rumble. You never so. know. But, uh, you know, check it out. Uh, you can get your tickets uh, uh, now. Uh, they are on sale. So 
keep that in mind too if uh, you might be coming in from out of town and uh, we'll be here that Sunday the 19th. Uh, again, 5 p.m. 5 p.m. start time. 5 p.m. start time. And I'm on the, Fight Plus, even though in Fight Plus, for some reason, it says 11 a.m. when I checked yesterday. <laughs> but the last show. Oh, 7 p.m. It's like you're posting a flyer that says 6 p.m. And right under 6 p.m., you're like, tune in at 7 p.m. Well, you know. That's why I have no hair. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's you know pulling pulling out the hair has been uh, has been a hobby of yours for the past uh, twelve years, huh? Past thirty years. <laughs> I had a kid, remember? No, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, saw him yesterday. That was the first time I seen him in a while since since he moved out. <laughs> no, no, I would see him at the shows, or he'd come by to try to like you know steal some. Uh, you know, household items that he go to the store. You know, we couldn't find the baby wipes. We thought he stole them. <laughs> they fell behind the toilet, though, so he didn't take them. Plus, he missed the last show because he worked so hard the show before. You know, Spider gave him the show off, so... I think, yeah, I think uh, I think we're gonna have to have uh, Spider on since he's been mentioned uh, four or five times now. Isn't it like Beetlejuice? You say it x amount of times, and then Spider has to. Yeah, I walk in. It's like, why are you even here? <laughs> like, he's funny because it's like, hey, ba ba ba. Like somehow he magically shows up when Ricochet's there because his brother's signing up, or hey, it's Delo's class. He's never there on a Wednesday, but hey, there he is. Making himself seen. Oh, man. Hey, since you're here Wednesday, can you make sure the audio sounds right for the show in five days? <laughs> yeah, you know, priorities, man. Priorities. Yeah, I know it. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time.